Hey everyone, Nick Chamberlain here, and I just wanted to let you know that we are coming out with new episodes very soon. So stay tuned, and you're going to love what we have to offer Inside the Offer. This is Spencer Cannon from Spencer Cannon Media, and you're listening to Inside the Offer. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And then, I'll give you a cowboy, why not? (laughs) This is Spencer Cannon from Spencer Cannon Media, and you're listening to Inside the Offer. Don't forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) There you go, man. Hello and welcome to Inside the Offer, a podcast that is dedicated to connecting and bringing life to those who are on a mission to provide for their family by building their own successful business. We believe that the key to standing out in the crowded world of entrepreneurship is having a unique offer that sets your business apart. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent looking to create a side hustle, a recent college graduate with an entrepreneurial spirit, or a seasoned business owner, this podcast is for you. We'll sit down with individuals who have navigated the unique challenges of self-employment to share their stories and insights. We'll uncover the paths that have led them to where they are today and the strategies they use to build and grow their businesses. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher so together we can inspire each other to reach our goals and create a fulfilling future for our families. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Offer. I'm your host, Nick Chamberlain, and I really enjoyed this interview with Spencer and diving into the voice acting industry. If you ever thought about becoming a voice actor or if you want to start your own service-based business or even if you have been doing your own service-based business for a while now, Spencer gives us some incredible insight and reminders on what we need to do to continue to build our business. So let's just get right into it now. Here's my interview with Spencer Cannon. So Spencer, give us a little bit of background on you and your business and how you got started in the voice acting industry. Yeah, so my business has kind of gone, it's gone, you know, through a little bit of transition recently, um, but it's it's kind of been an it's been an interesting thing. I I started uh, as a voice actor full time in 2014. Um, and I had dipped my toes in a little bit, um, but I was actually fully on the path to being, um, I was going to go work for the state department and I was going to be a lawyer and I was, you know, doing the LSAT game and all that. And I talked to a bunch of lawyers and they were like, don't do it. (laughs) You're going to, they were like, you're going to hate your life. Don't do it. And I know very, like, I know a lot of happy lawyers out there, but I, I just talked to a few that were just like, well, just, just think this through, blah, 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 blah. And I, I did kind of give it a little bit of, of thought and I went, well, I don't think I do want to be a lawyer. So I actually went into advertising and I was working in advertising for a little bit, got my first little opportunity to do some in-house stuff there. And then, uh, yeah, once, once I actually entered the fray kind of full time, I just went, you know, both feet on the ground and started running. The things that I've noticed, uh, in the last little bit is you know, back in the day, it was far more just a, you know, a studio thing. Like you'd go into a studio, you'd have an engineer, you'd have producers, you'd have director, you have client, you have all these different things for, you know, bigger jobs. And I'd say the new norm that's happening now is basically everyone working remote, 
everyone having like their own studio set up more or less from their house. Uh, there's far less outside of the, you know, the big cities. Um, I know like in Santa Monica and a few places, there's still a ton of in-studio stuff. And depending on the projects, you're still going in. But I know that there's just a, a lot of stuff that's all of a sudden transitioning because the internet did its job. So now there's not these kind of nexuses of power where it used to be, you know, LA, Chicago, New York. It's kind of one of those things that for certain types of voiceover, you can just be anywhere, really. Yeah, so it seems like it might be a little easier to get into the voiceover game, but then it's going to be a much more crowded space and a little more difficult to put your voice out there and for you to get the the different jobs. So how did you even get into voice acting in the first place? So I am a product of the 90s. Uh, so I grew up, you know, watching cartoons and uh, Toonami after school and, you know, playing video games and all that. And so Japan kind of ruled my childhood and I just really, really loved character work. And so, you know, every time I would watch cartoons or anything like that, that was just some core memories for me. So as I got a little bit older and as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after college, that kind of just kept sticking in, you know, just kind of sticking out in my head where it was like, yeah, I just, I really do want to do something that's, you know, that's fun that I can use, you know, some acting ability, you know, use some imagination, some creativity. And I just kind of got drawn to it. And honestly, I just, uh, decided to go for it. So I started doing research, uh, I started working with a local sound engineer and producer who, you know, has really helped me. Um, and we still work together a ton today. And he and I just kind of started hammering it out. And I just kind of started um, honing my craft and, you know, basically just started doing it is the, the best way to describe it. So <laughs> so when you went to start your creating your voice reel, is that the first thing you started with? So I did it a little bit differently than a lot of people, because generally speaking, and this is just for anyone listening that wants to get into this, this is probably how you should do this. Uh, I did not, but, you know, here we are. Uh, I would always suggest, you know, start with training, you know, go to somebody who is uh, either a working voice actor or has retired from voice acting and is now a full-time teacher uh, really delve in and see if, you know, they've booked work, they've done things that, you know, are reputable, all these different things. Cause really what you need to do is you need to get a coach to kind of bring you up to snuff. Cause the biggest thing, like, like you said earlier, the technology barrier has come way down, right? So technology is a little more democratized. Anyone can really set up a studio now to some extent, and it doesn't cost, you know, $100,000. But the thing that is still the barrier to entry is the acting portion because it's voice acting. And I think a lot of people almost view this as, oh, I'm just reading. And it's, you, you get checked really, really fast. Um, and, it, and it kind of is that weird thing that it's very, the analog here is, you know, film acting that everyone kind of goes like, oh, well, I mean, all you're doing is just acting. And it's like, yeah, well, go, go on camera and try it and see, you know, see how natural and believable you can be when there's a crew of, you know, 40 people looking at you. For me, what I always suggest is work with a, a reputable coach. And then after about six months to a year, whenever they're feeling like you're ready, that's when I would say hop in on your demo. Because uh, one, yeah. one thing I've noticed a lot of people do is they'll either self-produce uh, a demo right from the get-go 
and they feel like that's priority number one. And the the bigger thing is you, you got to mm-hmm. work on your craft before you kind of work on your business card because in my mind, the worst thing to do is to start sending out a demo reel to agents or producers or casting directors and have it be completely amateur because for a lot of these people, you get like one shot. And so if you send them over something that just isn't up to snuff, you're going to basically be instantly trashed. And some of them might not come back. Do you know what I mean? Like some of them are going to go, oh, you didn't have the wherewithal to even think this process through. So I'm not going to give you a shot in five years when you actually realize this. So I, I always just say it's a slower process than a lot of people want. But if you take the proper measures, that's where you can set up you can basically set up your business correctly from the start and get a good foundation rather than jumping in because you got a lot of creative energy that you want to, you know, want to work towards and kind of making some really, really large rookie mistakes that might uh, impact you farther down the line, if that makes sense. No, it does. And there is a lot of parallels to the music industry as well. Because when I was getting into my first career, I was in a recording studio and I was trying to go down that path to be a recording engineer. And I didn't really know what I was doing until I started to um, you know, interview other audio engineers. And then I figured out exactly what does their career path look like. I feel like it's the same way with voice acting where you need to understand the industry a little more before you just like jump into it and start like putting out your demos like that. Cause when you sent me, well, I guess real quick, how did you find my website or like, how did you find me to reach out? So one of the things that I do is um, I've always used, I try to stay on top of like latest technologies for business. And one thing that I've done is used AI um, email services that can actually really parse down stuff for me and go through then they kind of give me a bunch of information and then I'll kind of go through and make sure that people are, you know, this is even going to be a good fit and all that. So mm. one way that I've done it, you know, in the past, and this this still works, like I, I actually still really like this approach to business. In the past, um, you can go to Google, right? And you could type in video producers, Austin, Texas, and then, you know, you might pop up. This, this other approach is more kind of automating that process. But the main thing I always tell people on a lot of these uh, tools that will help you do outreach, you, you really do still need to do the, the kind of work around building a relationship. Because if you just kind of go in and you just say, hey, you know, you have that boilerplate message, but you clearly haven't vetted anybody and you're sending this out to a bunch of people that it makes no sense – you're going to basically instantly just come across super unprofessional, very spammy. And, you know, you, I think you'll end up doing a lot more brand damage that way than if you're a little bit more curated. Uh, if you go through and you actually see somebody and go, yeah, they've done similar things. So I might have a value add. Cause one thing that I get a lot to my inbox is I'll get people giving cold outreaches. And I, you know, I'm pretty open to doing cold email. Um, and not just instantly marking spam because, you know, I want to give people a shot, whatever. And I know, you know, the game's kind of hard. So, you know, I don't I don't instantly go aggressive. But what I'll notice is a lot of times people are pitching me a service that makes zero sense, right? And it's not going to 
it's not going to synergize with me. It's not something that I would ever offer or it's, you know, I'm a voice actor, they're pest control and they say, how can we work together? And it's like, ah, we can't. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that are always a little bit interesting to me. Anyways, long story short, I'm rambling a little bit, but I found you through that service and then kind of going through and digging in a little deeper. That's, that's where, uh, that's where I saw all the work that you were doing. And then I think you were the one that told me about the podcast. So. Yeah, no, because I do get a lot of spam or requests for different services and yours was more of a unique one. And I clicked on your website and went through your different demos and I was like, oh, your stuff is actually high quality. I really enjoyed your reels and your demos. You have a good product and good service. I want to be able to help you out. But even though if I can't hire you right now at this point in time, I can at least bring you on to this podcast I'm doing and then to help so other people can listen to the voice acting industry and to figure out like how that industry works. And perhaps someone listening likes the sound of your voice and then perhaps they can be like, I want to hire Spencer to be on my commercial reel or ad, which we'll get into in a bit because I'm... I love the film industry as well. Uh, I've did a lot of work as a, uh, a boom operator, capturing dialogue and then going back through and doing some voiceover work and editing voices together. And oh, of course, cool. you know, in the radio industry, I did a lot of working with uh, voice town as well. And just the nuances that you can get into it. Um, going back to your, your vocal training, is your current voice, is that how it has always been? Or have you had, through your training, you've kind of developed this unique sound to your voice? Um, for me, mine's been a little bit weird, only because I, and this is going to sound a little bit strange, uh, once again, I personally have never done much vocal training. I was trained in singing, um, and that's why I said kind of, this is a do as I say, not as I, uh, as I did basically, cause I would always suggest the way faster way to do everything would be to find a reputable coach who can help you with a bunch of these things. I kind of did it my own way, kind of through just sheer hitting my head against a wall and crafting this voice over time. Cause what I would do more or less is I would try to be really objective with my ear and I, I think a lot of people where they get hung up is you hear something and you think, I knocked it out of the park, right? Like, that was great. One take, we're good. <laughs> and then you go back and actually listen to it through speakers or through headphones, and you'll start noticing all these little things that you didn't do, like the read was totally flat, like you had no inflection, you had no mm-hmm. personality, or, you know, there were a bunch of clicks and pops, or, you know, you, you know it was super breathy, all these different things. And I think a lot of people, their biggest problem in voice acting, uh, if you're not working with a coach or, or if you are working with a coach, is being able to hang that ego on the door. Because I think a lot of people come into this going, oh, my voice already is crafted. Like, I'm I'm good to go. You know, this is going to be totally fine. And I wouldn't say so much the sound of my voice has changed. You know, that's that's kind of always been a constant. The thing that I've worked on, you know, just through thousands and thousands of auditions has been really, really landing towards something that is sellable. And then also something that is like relatable or charismatic or whatever the actual, you know, prompt for the project is. And the way that I always do that is I just listen to 
you know, advertisements that are going on right now. You know, I listen to podcasts. I, you know, I watch cartoons. I, you know, anything, anything that's going to have a vocal performance, I listen to that and then I can record something and I go, okay, well, this person was clearly hired for this job, right? And here's what they sound like. And then I would compare my quality and I go, that's not what I sound like. You know what I mean? And so then I would just start slowly working towards that. And so my, my approach was always kind of mimicry to a point of mastery. And then once you get that mimicry towards a point of mastery, then you can really start shaping your sound, you know, your personality. Cause it's kind of like, yeah, well, I got, I got everything down. I'm doing the jump shot like Michael Jordan. And now I want to play like I want to play, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. That make that makes sense. I remember, well, when I first would record the intro to this podcast or you, when you think you're being kind of animated, it's how, how do I explain this? I would do the read and it would sound super flat. Right. Sure. But in order for it to sound normal, because as soon as I started like Welcome to another episode, and I had my eyes big and bright, my mouth smiley, and my hands animated. Then I'd go back and listen, and then it sounded normal at that point. Um, There's a lot of little nuances, I guess, when it comes to voice acting that I would love to get into, but this isn't going to be a podcast (laughs) on voice acting. Because, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I honestly think that one of my favorite jobs that I would love to do to would be a voice for a cartoon character on a cartoon. Yeah. I always thought about like, what would my dream job be? <laughs> and I, I think that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to make like funny videos, like growing up and whatnot. And I always like created silly voices. And then, you know, within the years of being um, a recording engineer in the recording studio, it was fun doing music and cr- playing music and doing all that. And now as podcasting, now I'm again using my voice and I'm learning how to use it correctly, but it is very difficult to speak on the fly and use your voice in the in the correct way that it should be used. I am noticing that a lot of times when when I go back to edit the podcast, I keep leaving out certain words or phrases. I'm like, man, why did I not finish my <laughs> sentence or finish my phrasing? Don't worry, I do so it too. So recording. Yeah, I guess for everyone listening, just I think it's a great skill to record yourself, whether that's on video or audio only, and just to listen to hear how you sound and how you communicate with others, because it will help you to improve your communication skills. Because for me, I've always looked at myself as the shy, timid, quiet individual who didn't know how to speak well. And the only way to get over that fear or that mindset of who I am is by doing the exact opposite. So going out there, talking to other people, using your voice. But I mean, I, I like this topic a lot, Spencer. Yeah, no, and, um. I, and I honestly, I kind <laughs> of, uh, I completely relate and it's it's kind of weird. I'm, I am the most <laughs> extroverted introvert you'll ever meet, right? So like, I love, yeah. I love being by myself. Um, and I just, I've always kind of been that way. But weirdly enough, what energizes me, what really helps my brain, what, you know, honestly kind of like re-inspires me a lot of times is just being around people, like being social. Uh, And so that was always kind of this weird dichotomy that, you know, I was having to do a balancing act on. But what's funny is you saying that where it's like, yeah, if, if you 
lack confidence in your ability to, you know, speak to others or speak to a crowd or be on camera or whatever, just if you're if you're ever looking for a way to present information to people uh, with a little bit more uh, confidence, I really do think exposure therapy is kind of the only way to do that. Like I know a comic um, and he would get severe anxiety before he'd go do a set and he would also get severe anxiety while he was on stage. And I asked him, I was like, well, what did, what did you do to get over it? And he's like, I, I just went and did my set with anxiety on the stage. And he was like, and he's like, you'll still get it. But he goes, now I know how to kind of live with it. And he goes, I can prep myself. And he just goes that I've kind of realized that's not going to be going anywhere, but I love comedy. So I'm just working around it and I'm kind of just going for a ride with that and recognizing that it's like everybody gets anxious, you know, that's. I, I think if you don't get anxious before you go and talk to a bunch of people, you are in a very small minority because uh, I know I know speaking in front of people is a larger fear than death on most surveys. So I'm like, people are more scared of talking in front of a crowd than they are of actually dying. So that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> speaking in front of people, it's not going to kill you. It no. will make you stronger. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've done it a couple of times. It's afterwards. It's just like a totally different feeling, a a different high that you experience. But talking about this and nerves and whatnot. And did you, how was it for you getting your first client or your first gig as a voiceover actor? Were you nervous at all with, with it? Or can you talk about that a little bit? So for me, mine was a little bit, like I said, I'm, I'm maybe not the uh, poster child for how most people go through this process, but I had the approach of, I was kind of nervous at first, mostly, mostly from a standpoint of, I don't know if I'm sounding good enough. I don't know if I've got the technical expertise, Mm -hmm. all these different things. Ironically, once I got hired, that kind of actually gave me confidence because I went, well, they listened to a bunch of people and they chose me. So I didn't come into it basically going, Oh, I'm a fraud or I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing or anything like that. I came into it going, well, they clearly liked what I gave them before. So now this is more just uh, all I really have to do is do what I did in the audition and kind of be open to, uh, if they want to change anything up on direction or anything like that. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people that really, really get, uh, anxious and nervous when they're about to talk with a client, you know, live or, you know, do something in studio or anything like that. And I always tell them, I'm like, well, the hard part's over, you know, the auditioning is the, that's the hard part. You know, the work is where you, you actually get to have fun and you get to, you know, play around with Mm -hmm. it. And the, the biggest thing is, and this is what I tell myself, sometimes this isn't the truth, but most of the time it is. The producer and the director, they're on your side, right? The sound engineer, make best friends with your sound engineer if you are going into a, a studio session because they, they want you to succeed, right? They, they, if you are friends with them, they're not going to paint you in a bad light. They're, they're going to do everything to help you. So I always just kind of go into this thinking like, yeah, everyone's on the same team. Everyone wants to do, uh, do this project well. And, you know, if, if you, falter over words or if you know you screw something up or maybe you you didn't quite get the direction right you know there's there's uh still time you know what i mean there's still it's all di- it's all digital you're just recording it's not like you're wasting tape like back in the day so it's just kind of like hey 
just get it again. You're, you're going to be fine. You know, people trip over their words all the time. And just because you're a voice actor doesn't mean you're not going to do that. So, yeah, there's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about because I'll go on as the background producer, kind of like what we're doing, but I will go and help them or my client to record their introductions to their podcast or a spot. And I'll just have them do it over and over and over again and like tell them to change a little inflection, slow down or or speed up or whatever it needs to be for it to sound clear and articulate. But yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed about in that. It's just something that you're always learning and growing as you continue to use your voice. Right. Do, do you remember your first big client that you received or your first big voice acting job? Yeah, I do roughly remember it. Um, mostly because it was, uh, I'm out here in Utah and they were, they're a big tech firm based out of here. Um, and ironically, this is kind of weird, but my, my cousin-in-law actually owns the company, but I did not get the job through him. Uh, I happened to just source it through some other people. And I remember going into studio and it was my first big studio gig. And like I said, there were probably eight people behind the glass, uh, in the room, which, which may have been too many people for this project, but, <laughs> but it was kind of one of those things where I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this is, this is real. Like we're actually, we're actually doing this thing. And learned a lot in that very first session. Um, once again, I, uh, like I said earlier, I did learn that, you know, everyone's trying just to get the best performance, right? So everyone's trying to be your friend. Um, there's different approaches to doing that, but you know, more or less always, 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 always keep in mind that this is a collaborative process. And if someone is talking to you, you know, or helping produce you, Um, very similar to what you just said with like podcast intros, the biggest, biggest downside, um, or the, one of the worst things somebody can do is take a a critique as a criticism, right? So it's always that same thing as like writers have editors, right? And you can't, you can't not have an editor as a writer. You just need another pair of eyes on something because you might have written something and you were 10 hours into the writing process and your mind kind of started going to mush, right? And so you just need somebody to go in there and be like, well, this didn't make a ton of sense contextually or anything like that. And voice acting, I found is the exact same way where you just kind of need another pair of ears, another another lens mm-hmm. to uh, view the, these words through. And so if somebody's going, hey, that sounded a little flat, most of the time it probably did right <laughs> unless you're dealing with someone really inexperienced or they just don't have a good ear you know so at, rather than internally go that didn't sound flat they don't know what they're talking about like they're an idiot almost just always check check yourself and keep coming back to going well they're clearly hearing something i'm not so maybe i know my internal levels might be off it's kind of the same way that a lot of people think they sound way different when they hear themselves on a voicemail or a recording back, right? And mm-hmm. it's because there's all these internal ways that you're hearing yourself sound. And internally, you might be like, wow, that was charismatic as hell. You know what I mean? And then you'll come back to something and you go, ah, that wasn't. That was that was really flat. So you just got to You got to kind of trust that process. And once again, I'm like, check your ego and 
it'll be that that'll be the best move you can possibly do because that'll make the process smoother. You won't take it personally. Everyone will be happier. And really, it's when you internalize stuff and get nervous that's when you're not taking direction well, and that's when you'll kind of shut down. So, mm. yeah, but when you go through and you listen to yourself, do you think? Oh wow, that's a great sounding voice because <laughs> I got a great sounding voice. So you know, sometimes so I, I will say it depends what I'm doing. But like on other days, I'm like, man, I sound I sound terrible. Like this is awful. And then other days, I'm like, all right, I got it, I got it today. It's good. No, because I mean that's what stood out on your recordings. I was like, because I have gone through a bunch of hours of like voice jungle.com sifting through it's like hundreds of different voices and i'm hearing all the different ones on their different takes and then i listen to yours like it's very natural and it has that professional voiceover quality to it and all the different elements that you were able to put it in the different i guess what what am i trying to say you have some commercials where it's like a a light-hearted voiceover for a i don't know just I can't think of a product right now. Just yeah. a simple, lighthearted, like household product, and you has a very good light and energetic tone, and then just an intense trailer voice for a deep movie. And you're able to, you were able to portray those both very well. And I wanted to kind of get you on here to talk about the different you know, processes on how you go through that, but. Okay, this is where my problem is. I'm interested in the work you do and yeah. kind of like dissecting it, but also I need to reel back and be like, okay, this is a podcast about <laughs> business and how totally. you're developing your business sure. to help so we can help other people with doing what you're doing. Um, one last little segment, just talking about the, the voiceover yeah. aspect to your business. I mean, you told us your first ever client, first ever client was a big tech company and then I'm assuming you have multiple clients over the years. What were some of the bigger ones or the more fun projects to work on? Yeah. So I've worked on the big ones that kind of just for me held a little bit of nostalgia and all that. So it was just really fun to work on. It was, you know, I got to work with Nintendo um, on some Legend of Zelda stuff. And that was, that was really awesome. I got to work with oh, wow. Disney. I did a trailer for Disney for some Disney plus stuff and uh, that was a that was a really interesting one because they my agent basically called me on a Friday night at like eleven thirty p.m. and he was like, "Hey, what are you doing right now?" And I was like, "I'm I'm just hanging out." <laughs> He's like, "Do you want to go cut a trailer for Disney?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." And so, literally hopped in the booth at like eleven and uh, or at, sorry at like eleven forty five and mm-hmm. uh, they just had an engineer out in California and he was like, "Let's go, let's rock and roll." <laughs> we just we did it, nice. so that was super fun. And then, um, yeah, I've, I've just done a bunch of different things for a lot of fortune 500 companies, you know, pretty much mm. all of, you know, the big tech companies I've worked with. And then really the, the things I get super passionate about is I've, I've also been able to work on probably a hundred indie video games where, you know, I kind of can fully run the gamut on what kind of character I'm playing, where I was a main role. I was, you know, a supporting role. I was just some like a background monster, you know, getting to do like that, you know, like the snarls and monster noises yeah. and all that. And it, th- those are the ones that I think are the most fun. Um, and those are the things that kind of re-energize me because the commercial mm-hmm. stuff, super nice. I, I really do like it. I've got it on lock. Um, but it's when you get to do some of the 
a little bit weirder stuff, kind of the wackier stuff. Mm-hmm. That That's kind of what brings me back to the job because I just go like, oh, right. Yeah, this is exactly why I got into this. Mm. And realizing that all all of those different kinds of projects are part of that same pool, right? You're just using your voice in different ways. Um, and some people love character work. Some people don't like character work. Some people are like, man, I was born to do e-learning and that's what I do all day, every day. And I'm like, you know what? More power to you. So, yeah, if I can find slip my way into like a character job at some point in my life, I think I would love to do that. (laughs) Cause in college we had this one project where we took a two minute segment of the Shrek cartoon. We stripped all the audio from it and then we did all the voice over acting and we created all the sound effects and everything with just what we had on ourselves nice. <laughs> and then we just layered everything together in post-production and then we had i had another one where it was cavemen like promoting milk or something but it was all these cavemen sounds and dino- dinosaur sounds it was a youtube video stripped off all the audio and i did all the sound effects with my voice and layered it all together and <laughs> put it together and exported it so those were probably one of the most fun projects that i had yeah. but then still at the time i wasn't thinking how could I make a living doing that? It was like, there's no way I can make a living doing that. So I'm not even going to try. (laughs) But I'm like, there's always a way to make a living doing something that you enjoy to do as long as you're providing value for others. Absolutely. Which, um, (laughs) so yeah, you can can see like, kind of like why I wanted to talk to you about voiceover (laughs) stuff because I've done a bunch of it and (laughs) it's fun. Yeah. But now I'm... Getting back to the whole business route, so I'm in the podcast production, and right now that's like my vehicle that I'm using, and I'm also interested in all aspects of business, and because a business allows you to provide value for others and to support yourself in your life and for and to support your family. Yeah. At what point in your business did you figure out like, oh, I can make a living doing this? So I think where I realized that this would be something feasible, right? So in 2014, um, I was working part-time for my dad. My, my dad owns a, a body shop and a couple other businesses. And I was kind of help, uh, helping run the front desk uh, at his business. And then in the afternoons, I would do about six hours um, just doing voice acting. But he was kind of a little bit more of the steady cash flow in the mornings just to be like, well, you know, just, you know, get some rent, you know, get some rent money and just make it happen. And what I started realizing is once I started sourcing certain clients and recognizing like my booking rates, I started then just kind of doing a math equation in my head and going, well, this will work as long as I do this many auditions, right? And from there, it all kind of started snowballing. And I was kind of, I, I was lucky in that I was able to get some success a little bit early on. Um, because I know a lot of voice actors, it'll just, they kind of feel like they're kind of a Sisyphean effort. They're just pushing that boulder up the hill and it just keeps rolling back down. And they're like, I've done 200 auditions and I haven't booked anything. And those are the moments where I go, well, if you're not booking, you know, two, you know, two or 300 auditions, if you're not booking one job out of those, I'm like that, that is actually where I think you need to kind of take a step back. And either look at your process, look at your gear, you know, your quality, uh, look at your training. Mm. You know, maybe you're not up to snuff uh, in terms of what is uh, what you're competing against. Because you you got to remember when people are going down in the audition process, right? Let's, you know, go on the other side of this. And let's say you're an account manager and you're trying to source something for your project. 
and you get 100 auditions, you're going through, and I'm not joking when I say they're probably listening to the first four seconds of your audition, right? Mm-hmm. And if, mm-hmm. and if all of a sudden they come across, 100%. yeah. And, and if, you know, you're, you've done the audio side for so long that you can kind of tell the minute that somebody's recording on a USB microphone in a wide open room. Um, and they'll probably just trash those immediately because they're going to go, nah, that's not good. You know, cause you're competing against people that have a full studio, $5,000 mic, you know, a ton of plugins and preamps and all these different things. And they're running off of. Um, you know, just a very clean recording environment and all that kind of stuff. So those are the things I always look at where I just go, if you're doing things right, the math should line up, right? And this is the slightly less glamorous part of all this, but voice acting, and I would say acting in general, is pretty much sales, right? So you're going out and you're selling your voice. And usually you're doing that through a process of auditioning or direct outreach to clients, but you're selling your sound, right? And you're going, I can add value to your project, no matter what that project is. And so for me, I kind of look at it that same way that most of sales kind of unfortunately works on numbers, right? It works on scale. So, you know, you go through this process and you get really, really, really comfortable with the fact that people are telling you no, right? And- mm-hmm. I think acting is very, very similar. And as you get better at that process, ironically, that's what makes you stop kind of caring as much about the outcome of the audition. And you view it more as kind of an output towards growing your business. And I'll talk to certain people that are, you know, getting into this and all that. And they've, they've done all the, you know, requisite steps and they've gotten the training and they've gotten the technical know-how. And now they're getting into the commerce side of everything and they're going, oh, I'm just not booking. And I'll ask them, I'll be like, well, how many auditions did you do this week? And they'll be like, well, I did like 15. And I'll counter and I'll go, I did 150. And they go, well, I have no idea how you can do that many. And I'm like, well, you've just got to work on your efficiencies. You've got to work on your process and realize that at a certain point, you can kind of, you can almost hyperfixate on one audition And that will maybe be excluding you from tons of other work over in the corner because you just spent far too much time doing this one thing. And so what my process has been is I generally don't go, it's not like I have a timer or anything, but I generally do not go over five to 10 minutes per audition because you just got to realize that you've got to be pushing out certain kinds of numbers And if you're getting to the point where an audition is taking you 30 minutes, you're either a probably overthinking it or B you're getting so you're getting so knickknacky on like the small stuff that, that Mm -hmm. you're not realizing that most people are just going to hear this and think it sounds fine. Do you know what I mean? And I, I know a lot of people it'll go, I've got to cut out every breath. I've got to do all these different things. And it's like, no, you, you really, what you got to do is focus on acting and make sure your initial setup sounds good. And then once you get, like, once you book the project, that's that's where you can kind of take a little bit more of a magnifying glass to everything. Mm-hmm. But that audition process, I always say, like, just that's kind of the, the grindy part of everything. And that's the part that I always, you know, anybody that's looking for a get-rich-quick scheme, I go, well, if you want to get rich quick doing voice acting, do... 20 auditions a day 
for five days a week, basically 80, like 40 hours a week exactly, and do it for yep. a few years. You know what I mean? And nobody likes to hear that, but that's, that's kind of the truth. I, it's kind of like that for all businesses too, because I mean, even for me, like I need to be creating a list of like a hundred different companies to reach out to per day. And I should be reaching out to those companies. Sure. And then let's say you know, if it's 20 a day, then by the end of the week, you have, you know, 80 or so. And then you can see how many companies reached back out to you. And then you can see how many of those kind of turned into sales calls and then how many of those turned into actual clients. And then you actually have a statistic to work with that I need to reach out to X number of businesses per week in order to get X number of clients. Right. I still haven't been able to do that process because I think in the back of my mind, I'm just scared of the rejection or them saying no, or sure. I'm just bothering people when I reach out to them to tell them, this is what I do. This is how I help people. Can I help you? And then I feel like I'm annoying people when I do that. How do you get over that fear? Because it sounds like you came up with a really good process on how to just reaching out to a, a ton of different people. Yeah. Well, and, and, before you think that I'm, you know, I'm just ice cold over here, you know, I, I actually <laughs> really do. I mean, I've, I've dealt with like rejection sensitivity my whole life. You know, I've got ADHD mm-hmm. and I know that's part of the, you know, part of the game is that my brain takes negative emotions and kind of amplifies them. So mm-hmm. anytime somebody says no to me, that negates 10 yeses. Do you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what I started realizing was, especially when it came to business once again, it I really was able to go most of the time, this is not personal, right? If if you're mm. if somebody doesn't want your service, it's not because they go, Oh, I don't like you, like as a person, you need to get away from me. They're just going, nah, the, you know, this isn't the right fit or this isn't the right time, or they've had a bad day and you just happen to be in their crosshairs, whatever. You know what I mean? And you gotta realize there's certain things you can control that are kind of in your sphere of influence. And then there's things that are outside of your control and you, you can't really control what someone's mood is going to be when you talk to them. Right. So all I always say is you just go, just have something that's really solid, have, you know, make it be a value add, no matter what you're, uh, no matter what you're pitching and it can be any product or service. And whenever I get the little head, a thing in my head that goes, Oh, I'm bothering somebody. You know, really the big thing there is you go, well, if this is something that's going to help them, if this is something that is going to benefit both of us, this isn't necessarily me bothering them. This is me informing them of something they didn't know about before and their reaction is going to be their reaction, right? And so that that's almost mm. like a, it's like a masterclass in expectations, right? So if, if you're already going into something through the mindset of, oh, I'm bothering them, well, then all of your interaction with them is going to be kind of guarded or defensive, or you're just going to kind of almost be wanting to go, I want to get out of here because, you know, I, I feel like I'm making you mad. And really it's that, you know, they might react super positively. You know, you might reach out to them and they go, that's great. That's, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And it's the complete opposite of being bothered. It's, you know, they are ecstatic that you've got this thing. So I, I think it's almost about changing that paradigm of, what you expect the outcome to be. And sometimes you will get rejected. Sometimes people will be, you know, kind of a dick to you, but it's like, you got to come back and at the end of the day, just go, and you know what, I guess I wasn't a good fit for them. And you kind of just move on. 
And like I said, yeah. And like I said, you don't, and you don't have to turn into like a, you know, a T-1000 robot here and just go, my job is just numbers and there's no human connection whatsoever. Uh, I would say it's very, you know, almost the exact opposite is, you know, you just, you reach out very plain spokenly, at least this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And you just go, Hey, here's what I've got. Um, you know, are you interested? And if not, that's, that's okay too. You know what I mean? Cause there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of business out there. There's a lot of people that you can help with your service, your product. And, you know, I, I think those early days in the business where you're trying to get that snowball rolling, that's the, that's the hardest time. Cause if you just get hit over and over and over and over and over with no, you kind of just sit back and go, what am I doing? But that's, that's the part where I go, you know what, just this is where you just got to keep going and then you keep sharpening that blade of your skill set and your, whatever it is you're doing and make it the best possible or whatever, you know, make, make your numbers make sense and somewhere it'll land and you just got to kind of keep your head down. So, yeah, no, I've been noticing that too, as, as well throughout the years, I mean, I kind of wish I had a realistic viewpoint on what's happening out there in the real world with people that are actually making it happen, which I'm reaching out to people like you, you've, you've said yes. And like, how are you actually making your business run? Like, I'm kind of interested in knowing how to do that because a lot of people, they're either coming from their eight to five and just doing the same thing all day long. And then they kind of experience the real world out here, which it's 100% me. <laughs> I was <laughs> sure. totally in a, a bubble for a long time. Yeah. And like the world of business out here is very interesting. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's different levels of business and everyone at a different level communicates and acts in a different way, kind of. I've noticed that I can offer, you know, my same service, you know, let's say it's a $10,000 service to one group of people and they're like you're overcharging that is way too much there is how dare you even charge that amount and then i can charge the ten thousand at a different business and they're like uh we're kind of looking for someone who's like charging at least 20 30 000 for what you're doing because we don't want to be associated with like right. those kind of startup prices yeah so i don't know if that kind of same element is in the voice voice acting realm or not oh absolutely and it's Oh, and it's super interesting, actually, because you got to remember that voice acting pretty much up to Super Bowl ads and, uh, you know, giant, giant, you know, multi-million dollar movies all the way, 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 way down to like your on hold telephone messaging. Like all of those different things have so much range and so much scale. And what's interesting to me is that people will react totally differently to pricing, right? I will say what is more interesting is the the higher up the ladder I've gone, uh, I actually tend to notice that everything's just a little bit more smooth. Uh, yeah. So when you're working with like a very, very large company and they don't nickel and dime you and they kind of, every, every aspect of the process on their end is a little bit tighter. So then when you interact with them, it just kind of works and everyone kind of jives and it goes. And what's funny is regardless if you're a local business owner or, you know, doing a school project or whatever, or all the way up to a, you know, a fortune 500 company, the 
recording process is the exact same, right? Like it's, it's exactly the same. And so it all comes down to whatever your value add is to somebody and pitching that value add. Cause a lot of times what I'll say to people on certain price structures is I go, well, yeah, I, of course I could do that for a couple hundred bucks because I realize that realistically, you know, a couple thousand people are going to hear this. And when I scale up, I go, hey, this is realistic that, you know, a few hundred million people are going to hear this. So I always, you know, I just pitch it numerically a lot of times where I go, you know, sometimes these services, a lot of people will go, no, I'm charging too much. There's a way cheaper version on Fiverr. They can, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can go and get an, an AI voice way cheaper. And I go, they absolutely can. And there's always a market for that. There is also a market for a Honda and a Mercedes, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, you always just got to realize that sometimes your value proposition to somebody might not align with what they're looking for. And mm. you also have to be able to navigate through that and go, you know, the minute you start picking up some red flags, you can go, you know, maybe maybe this isn't going to be the best fit. And it's totally okay to walk away from business because if anyone listening wants the biggest piece of advice, it's if you get a bunch of red flags from somebody you're talking to, but you go, ah, but I really could use the business. Don't let that override all the red flags you're seeing because some of the worst projects I've ever done are for the least amount of money. They're the most headaches. They're the most revisions. And usually it's because that person either is inexperienced or they have the most to lose, right? So if if one of their projects goes south, they could be on like they could go bankrupt. You know what I mean? Whereas on a bigger pro or a bigger client, if something goes south, you know, they've got a market cap of a trillion dollars. You know what I mean? So it's it's all about navigating those waters and seeing. But I will say, if you have a little Jiminy Cricket moment where something is not lining up or it's sounding sketchy or they're paying really well, but the content, you know, might not align with you morally or ethically, you can always just say no. Right. And mm. there's tons of other business out there. And one, one thing I don't I don't love is when people feel like they're forced to do something because they're like, these are the only people that are responding positively to me. And I always go, you know what? You don't have to do that. And you can always build your business towards what you want to align with, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's I'm discovering that more and more over the years, especially when you do get that one client. I It, it has been a growing theme that I, a universal theme that I have seen throughout multiple people in multiple industries. As soon as you start, you know, charging more money and the people paying you more money will go, things will go way more smoothly. (laughs) And like at each level, like I've jumped up. It's just like an incredible boost of like, oh wow, this is what it's like up here at this level. And so what I do is I take, all of the best elements from that level of business. And I start incorporating them into my business and to grow, develop more systems and procedures and having a more one, the customer experience. I'm trying to make it a little more, yeah, more professional where it's 
everything is laid out for them rather than me being like, well, does that work for you? Does that make sense? Is, is this <laughs> right. okay for you? Yeah. Okay. I think we should do this. But now it's like, here's everything we're going to do. Here's the game plan. And just everything is nicely structured out. So I'm super interested in learning more about your client acquisition system and your process and sure. the AI tools that you're using to acquire new uh, customers. Yeah. So like for me, what I've, um, what I've done in the past is my, my approach is pretty, uh, pretty broad and I'll explain why. So I do, um, a bunch of auditioning through things called pay to play sites, which more or less are one second. Can you explain what you meant by auditioning when you go through and do auditioning what i'm picturing is you going to studio and waiting in line behind like 10 people and they're like next <laughs> sure. next 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 okay yeah so that's <laughs> that yeah I, I will explain that a little bit yeah so that's more like film auditioning where you know you go in front of somebody you know you do a scene maybe with a scene partner in front of like a table of people and then they'll go you know hey we'll let you know that kind of stuff and then you walk out sadly and you probably won't get the job so that is you know that is film uh acting so what most things work with on voice acting now with the internet is you have a studio set up at your house um, or you go rent a studio or however you want to set it up. Um, and then you go in there and however you get access to auditions. Um, and that's either through agents who are, you know, more traditional agents that you will just send you castings. Uh, you can go through these things called pay to play sites where basically you pay a membership fee and then they more or less have like a giant job board for you that you can kind of take a look at. And that's kind of more like the Upwork model um, that uh, I'm sure most people are familiar with. And then mm -hmm. you can also just source things, you know, directly from, you know, different clients or, you know, different businesses. And they might say, hey, we've got this project. Uh, here's the script. Why don't you give us the first 30 seconds and we'll see if you're a good fit. All of those would kind of fall under this branch of auditioning, right? And the, these are always a, it's basically you're working to get the work, right? And I would say the voice actors credo is most of your job is auditioning and then the actual jobs, that's the fun part, right? That's, that's where you've landed it and you get to just actually showcase your talents, all these different things. The auditioning, that's the going out there and, you know, pitching yourself, pitching your process, you know, saying, hey... Not only do I have a great voice, but I'm reliable. I answer emails fast. You know, I'll get you this product. You know, you will be able to just drop it in. No other problems, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that can kind of come from a bunch of different directions. Um, and I know that for me, at least, I've set up my system to be not reliant on any one pool. Um, because one thing I have seen, and this is just kind of the nature of the beast, is uh, especially like tech companies, you can wake up and all of a sudden they've changed, you know, they've just changed a policy and, uh, overnight they're going to adjust their fee structure and they're going to take 5% more of the project booked through their platform. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can all of a sudden go, Oh, well <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't expecting that. And now all of a sudden your numbers are adjusted 5% down. And if you were super, super reliant on any one of those companies that can really, you know, affect your growth. It can affect how you, you know, are budgeting all these different things. So for me, I do a bunch of different pools where it's like, I've got agencies that send me uh, auditions. 
I've got uh, pay to plays that I go to. I've got direct outreach where I'm building my own clientele. Um, I've got these AI tools, like I was mentioning, that are doing outbound marketing for me. And then I kind of take over once, you know, people are interacting with it. And that way I've kind of got this continuous stream always going because I've also, mm. one, one thing I've noticed is that some people will get success and then they kind of take, take their foot off the gas pedal on mm. getting new business. And how in my mind, I always go is I can adjust my schedule if all of a sudden I've got eight straight hours of booked work, right? That's the best case scenario. And in that situation, you probably wouldn't be doing much auditioning because you got a ton Mm -hmm. of work. But I know some people that they'll get like an hour of booked work and then they don't immediately transition back into, oh, I've got to get more work coming through. And then their pipeline gets delayed. And then all of a sudden they're kind of stuck holding the bag where there'll be a few days where, you know, people just aren't, aren't, you know, sending work and you kind of are just sitting there twiddling your thumbs if you're not auditioning. And I, I don't think that's the, the model that works super well with this particular industry. Cause it's, this is just kind of an industry that's kind of go, go, go. So, you know, you, I always say, you know, if you, if you like putting in some work, uh, this is, this is the one for you. Yeah, maybe that's all, I mean, maybe all service-based businesses, because even what you're saying yeah. right now is like, you're hurting my insides. I need to be doing more work, <laughs> Spencer, because I'll, I'll land a big client. I'm like, woo, I did it. And then it's like, wait, I need another one. Right. Well, why haven't I been doing my outbound work marketing for the last week? And I was like, no, I'm already a week behind. I got to catch back up. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay, that, that's a great reminder, yeah. Spencer, of everything we need to do and to have multiple streams of lead sources or pools to get from. You have your agencies, your pay-to-plays, direct outreach, AI tools. Uh, do you know which one kind of works the best for you, which you have the highest success rate, or is it kind of even throughout? Um, I would say there's different kinds of success because a lot of like the agency work is probably going to be your you know really high-end stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So if you you might not have as high of a success rate on those, but when you do, it'll be for you know high far you know far higher amounts or more prestigious companies and all that. But then, you know, I've gotten a lot of just really good feedback on just doing direct outreach, kind of like how I did with you, where you just talk to people and then they say, oh, you know, I might have something coming down the line or, hey, I don't have anything now, but, you know, hit me up in six months and we'll see. And, you know, those those are always super, super nice because a lot of times it's just it might be business interacting with business or it might be like a sole proprietor working with a sole proprietor and everyone's kind of on mm-hmm. equal footing. And I just kind of like it because you're not throwing out a scam. You're not doing anything that's like, yeah. Yeah. And you're not, you're not pestering somebody and like, you're not saying like make work for me. You're just going, Hey, if you happen to have any, you know, I'd love to help out. Uh, and most people are really receptive to that because one thing I've gotten a lot lately is, some people get turned off a little bit by the hard sell, right? And the hard sell can be, it can be super useful and it all depends on what you're selling. And if your product or service is uh, where that quality level fits, you know, sometimes that hard sell is almost necessary to uh, get initial numbers going. But what mm-hmm. I've noticed is for the long term, if the value is there of what you're providing, you don't have to sell super hard, if that makes sense. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, for you, I think that's a good idea to go after podcast production agencies. Sure. Because, like, for example, for someone like me, I work on, like, 10 to 12 different podcasts, and then they each could want their own voiceover recording for a new intro, a new outro. And then once they they have new ad spots coming in, perhaps they want a new sponsor read or something. So there's like multiple levels that you could get into there. And, um, and I'm sure you already thought about all that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I, Um, believe it or not, there will be things that are like the most, the absolute baseline level things that somebody will tell me about. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I really should get into that. <laughs> it's like, and and not to make, or just kind of to relate back to what you were saying, where you were like, yeah, it's every time I'm sit, sitting there going like, Oh, I really should be doing more outreach. My yeah. glaring error is everyone always tells me they're like, why do you not do social media? And I always am just like, I just, for some reason, I'm not super into social media, uh, at least from a business perspective. And everyone is like, dude, dude, this entire businesses are built on this. And I'm like, I just don't do it. I don't know why. <laughs> Every single audition you do, you could record as a TikTok video oh, and people would watch that and blow up. Like, I would be super interested just like watching you do reads, just like right. just scrolling through that. Yeah. No, and I- then... Yeah. You're preaching the choir here because I literally, <laughs> my wife will even be like, you're a moron. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I really should. And I never do. So there's, there's room for it, growth with everyone. We'll say that much. Everyone. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Um, okay. And then would you ever be looking to grow and scale this and like have a team of voice actors underneath you and then like you're farming them out and all that, or you're just you have a good system right now and it's just, you have your own set schedule, your own life. So I, I guess I'm trying to wonder, I'm asking how are you designing your business around your life and kind of what's the future for Spencer Canon media? <laughs> yeah. And what, what I've kind of done is I've, I've really kicked around a few models cause obviously from a business perspective, this, this is one of those things that is really reliant on me working, right? So if I'm if mm-hmm. I'm not in the booth, I'm not making money. Um, and I've thought of ways to get you know either a team of voice actors or you know you team up with sound engineers and you kind of make a little co-op situation that you could be like, oh yeah, this is you know the squad, and we just you're more of a project manager at a certain point. And for yeah. me, what's happened is I've noticed that a lot of those niches are already kind of filled or they're so large in scale that it would take so much capital to kind of compete with something like that, that, um, you know, for me, I go, Oh, well, what if I got a bunch of little like voice actors and then I could just take a percentage and I, I sort of rediscover the wheel here and go like, Oh, that's just what an agent is. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I, I always kind of take a step back on those and what I've done, and this is this is a little bit outside the purview of, uh, I guess, my uh, initial like Spencer Cannon media thing. I've taken a ton of my voiceover income, and my my dad and I actually started a uh, kind of a real estate holding company because I always viewed it as, well, I got to take some of this cash and I got to put it somewhere else that might be appreciating in value and it's also generating some cash. And so I've kind of put that into real estate, but you can kind of do a bunch of different, you know, a bunch of different approaches that, you know, you can have something that's making you a lot of cash and doesn't have a bunch of overhead and put that into something that's more, you know, generative on the side that doesn't totally rely on your skill set to be running. 
And that can be a, you know, that can be another business that can be whatever. And then in the voiceover world, that could be, you know, looking at things that pay you out residuals. So either commercial work that's going to hit you down the line or do audio books that, you know, you do like a royalty share with the, uh, with the actual author. And if they have success, you have success. So then you kind of have this, this shared goal to really, you know, blow up in terms of, uh, popularity and all that. Mm -hmm. And so for me right now, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in how I run, uh, run everything. Cause I've got, you know, I've had some pretty solid growth. Uh, I'm able to split my time evenly between work and home. Um, and I really do believe in kind of that hard delineation. Cause I feel like if you fall out on that work-life balance, it's, it's really easy to kind of go into a death spiral mm -hmm. on that. And I always just try to keep in mind that it's like, we, we make money, to enjoy our lives, right? And to better the lives of our family, to better the lives of our, or, you know, to better our communities, to to basically make it so everyone is thriving, right? And mm -hmm. if you're just working to make more money and your quality of life is going down, I think you're kind of missing the mark. And there's there's a lot of people that have differing opinions and different philosophies on that where they go, well, you got to dig in right now because then you'll get the, the growth that's necessary to kind of hop off the train and the only counterpoint i'll say is that sometimes works but i've also seen it where people dig in and they almost get addicted to that feeling mm -hmm. and they never jump off so then they just work and then they die <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no it, it is hard to get your like well especially when we're just starting off and you're right. just trying to pay the bills. I mean, yeah. that's one aspect. That's what I'm trying to get like to the aspect to the point where the business is actually paying for all the bills. Then then right. I'm hoping I can take off the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Sure. But I'm hoping that I will be able to take the foot off the gas pedal. And then it's like, okay, well, I got all the you know the bills <laughs> taken care of. Now it's like I got to go get the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So yeah. I'm also being vigilant of that. So thank you, Spencer, for, again, for another reminder. Yeah, sure. For life. <laughs> would, are you, would you ever be interested in creating like a digital courses or online courses on how to become a voice over actor and how to create your own voice acting business. Cause I also know the online business world is pretty big and pre growing and you could always find like a sub niche of people in there to sell to. Yeah. And I've, and I've seen quite a few people that actually do that. Um, I personally haven't taken that on. Um, and part of that might be the fact that once again, just kind of little imposter syndrome here or whatever, I, yeah. I might take it as, oh, I mean, I've been really successful in business, but that doesn't mean I necessarily am a good teacher. Or maybe it's that, mm. you know, a lot of times I'll go, this method worked for me. I don't know how applicable it would be at scale or like if the process is universal. Mm -hmm. And these, these probably are all little negative thoughts in my head that are just stopping me from, you know, taking on a project like this. Cause you're, you're absolutely right where, you know, a lot of these really big, uh, voice coaches, they can make these really awesome, uh, online courses that help people get through the first 80%, right. And mm -hmm. then that last remaining 20%, that's where you can maybe do one-on-ones and, you know, work with them coaching wise. Uh, yeah. 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 My my biggest constraint has more just been time because I just don't really have downtime during my days. And so that's once again going back to work life balance. 
that would kind of be like, all right, well, working 50-ish hours a week on voice acting, and then on the weekends, taking some time away from, you know, my hobbies or my family or anything like that to then go make this course. And that's, that's where I go, ah, you know, that's, that's the trade-off that I don't love. Now, that being said, if you want, if you want something that would be, uh, a little bit more driven by community and, uh, a little less reliant on your actual input, those kind of things are amazing because mm. then it is something that that's just up to you on building, building out the messaging for people that are looking to get into this and consistently saying like, Hey, I'm a voice of authority here and I've got this way for you to grow, uh, over here mm. if you want to. And I do know that sometimes, like, especially in voiceover, that's a, that's a pretty saturated, uh, it's a pretty saturated market, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. Cause once again, like you said, there's always going to be a lot of voice actors. There's always going to be a lot of any profession and you can always stand out. It just takes a lot of effort. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking about when I first was starting my own online podcast business, I was like, I want to start my own podcast online course to teach people how to launch their own podcast. And then I realized smart passive income, Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire, they yeah. both have their on online podcast course <laughs> creations. I was like, how do in the world would I compete with them? But right. then also the learn the more I learned about business is they're not Nick Chamberlain. They're not me with my experiences, my right. unique experience, which could help another subset of human beings out with their own unique problems. Because there are, what was it, 8 billion people on the planet now? Yeah, there's, I think, I think around there. <laughs> There's a lot there's of people a, out there. A lot of, there's a lot of them. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so I'm just trying to grow my little corner here in the world and using, you know, all the gifts and talents that I've been blessed with and just trying to figure out how to use it to create and grow a business to then also to help support other people with their business or whatever they're trying to do, as long as it's like also helping the world. Well, Spencer, I feel like there's so much more we could get into. We just barely <laughs> scratched the surface of your business because I was selfish and took up so much not, time for my own all, personal questions. <laughs> but I think you had a lot of great insight for for us, for especially for people who are starting their own business. Whether you are in the voice acting industry or another industry, there are a lot of parallel lessons, teachings. Yeah. Parables. <laughs> like that, yeah. That's probably what I was looking for, parables. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you have any other closing thoughts or statements that you would like to share with us? Uh, you know, I guess the, the closing sentiment that I always want to leave people with is just uh, the reason why I am where I am today. And like I said, I started in 2014 is uh, I started it and I didn't stop it. And I think a lot of people will go after something, right? They'll go after a hobby. They'll go after an idea. They'll go after something that they're like, this is something like I could, I could do something with this. And they just stop doing it after a certain amount of time. And I think the biggest key to success that I've found, and this is just me personally, but I have found that tenacity is kind of the play. Um, and it's gotta be smart tenacity. Cause if you, like I said, if you're just sticking with it for the sake of sticking with it, uh, don't. But if you are noticing progress, it's always just let let the process play out and don't abandon something after six months because you don't instantly make a million dollars because you never know where it'll go. And I've seen a lot of people that 
want to do something um, and they give up a little too too quickly. So I just say stick with it. Mm. Yes, great. Thank you so much, Spencer. And quick, do you have any resources for people, I guess, for books or mentors that you followed in the business world to help with your business at all? Yeah, you know, uh, one really good one, there's a there's an actor whose name is uh, Crispin Freeman, um, and he has a thing that's called the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast, and I know he does coaching as well, and I've actually, uh, I've done coaching with him, and he's super talented, but on his uh, his website, he's got a lot of resources and kind of a toolbox for, you know, beginners and like intermediate or elite level people. And just he can kind of, he kind of gives you a very realistic approach to like, hey, buy this microphone if you're at this level, because, you know, having a, a thirteen hundred dollar microphone is not going to do you any good at this point. You know, just start with a starter thing and get really good at using your voice. Um, so he mm. he's rock solid. Uh, there's a thing called the global voice acting Alliance, which is really good for rates. You know, people that are looking for, Oh, I'm just starting out. How do I price out my stuff? That's always a really good resource. And then, uh, uh, shameless plug here, but you can always go to spencercannonvo.com. That's my website. And mm-hmm. you can reach out to me directly. And I'm always, always happy to help people that are getting started. Uh, don't, don't hesitate. Um, cause I, I really do like helping people cause I got a lot of help when I was first starting out. So feel free to reach out. Oh yeah, of course. I'll put your, your website and all those other links in the show notes Sure, for sure. And you can find that by going to inside the very easily and looking up Spencer's Spencer Cannon's interview here. Um, what was the name of the AI tool that you're using? So the one I use, it's called Growbots. And that yeah. is actually a company, I think, out of Poland, but it's been rock solid. And uh, yeah, they uh, it's it's a it's a very uh, it's a very interesting approach that they're using. But the AI revolution is definitely here, so might as well use the tools. Yeah, I've I've been using the whole Chat GPT to do all my copy since I don't. Oh yeah, have the, <laughs> the budget to do hiring a copywriter at this time. But I've also been it's, learning a lot about like how to write copy, good to copy, and yeah. trying to implement those. And yeah, Growbots. Oh, yeah. What's the pricing structure on that? Or I guess I can look that up myself. I think it's. I think what it is is it's like to start out. Uh, I think you can get like five hundred contacts for a couple hundred bucks or something like that. But the, they actually are a good one where they scale really well. Um, mm. And it's more just one of those things of they'll get you 500 contacts to start, but they're all really, really warm leads. So it'll be, it'd be a pretty good start. And I was on that bot list. You're on the bot list, man. Dang. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, at least I'm being found. Yeah. But you're now I got to, I got to. <laughs> I got to find new, I got to find more clients, Spencer. I got to bring my wife home. <laughs> well, if I find some, I'll send them your way, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Spencer, for being on Inside the Offer today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, Nick. And uh, hopefully I can come back on for a part two and feel free to pick my brain on that one too. And I'll, I'll answer any other questions you have. Oh yeah. I feel like there's so much more we need to dive into with your business, but I think this was a really good overview and gave a lot everyone a lot of great insight into the voice acting industry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Inside the Offer. If you want any of the show notes or links, just go to insidetheoffer.com slash seven and all the links will be there. 
Stay tuned next week for another episode of Inside the Offer. We are going to be speaking with Jason Fry, the founder of Terrapin Strategy. Jason is building a zero-to-one government affairs platform to change how government relations are conducted. Make sure you follow and subscribe so you do not miss the next episode of Inside the Offer. Hey everyone, Nick Chamberlain here, and I just wanted to let you know that we are coming out with new episodes very soon. So stay tuned, and you're going to love what we have to offer inside the offer.